tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Okay, here we are in the Tune In Tone Up studio for our first, hopefully, of many uh, videos. Yeah, certainly are. We say studio, we use that term loosely, of course. <laughs> we certainly do. It's a room with a view. Now, we've done a lot of audio lessons and mm. we were thinking that it would be really good and really useful and a few of you have been asking for it as well to do some video lessons too so we've got this setup here where you've got um my view if you like so you are the student i am the teacher well i think like we that. i think we can agree that dan well, is definitely uh, the teacher in wild this. guide <laughs> and we were, were hoping to do a few short videos for you folk lovely folk out there and we hope you like them yeah, we love to. So do let us know what you think when you see the videos. We hope they're helpful. They're not going to be sort of an hour or more long like the uh, podcast. It's going to be fairly short and sweet, but hopefully they'll give you something that you can latch onto and use depending on your level. You know, we'll, I'm sure cover things which are at a basic and intermediate and a higher level. So today we're going for gold, I think. Are we? But I'm, well, ah. I think so, but I'm, I'm I do have a question for you. Gary has to say, far away, far away. So, Dan, I've been coming to see you for a long time now, and I, what I was interested, and you've got a lot of students, so what I was really interested in uh, was some of the questions, or po possibly the question which you get asked the most about. Mm. What do people find the most difficult, and what advice would you have for the people listening or myself in how to improve in that area? Okay, that throws the barn doors wide open, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, everybody's remit is slightly different, so people come to me with different things. But there are certain things that, that keep popping up, uh, certain things which over the last 20 years of teaching I've seen quite a bit of uh, in terms of being asked about them on a regular basis. One thing that comes up a lot, especially when people know that you can put in a fair turn of speed, is they want to know how to get faster on the guitar. That's right, I certainly do. Mm. Well, no one wants to get left behind. Of course, in reality, I think in every genuine musician, we just want a great quality of playing, fast or slow. But also, we don't want necessarily things to fox us and, and, and for technique to get in the way of us playing certain things once we have the technique we can then choose how we use that technique yeah but certainly it's a good idea probably to spend a bit of time woodshedding as we call it and and spending a bit of time on the technical things but the, the speed thing of course speed there's speed and there's speed you know stevie ray vaughan wasn't a slow player but he had this kind of slippy, slidey, sort of blues style. Yeah. So for a blues player, he didn't sort of hang about. But there again, you've then got the people who sort of use quite often quite close note groupings, a bit more maybe sort of runs within within more tight-knit scales where you've got no more than a, 
a tone or, or maybe a tone and a half of using a harmonic minor scale between the notes people like Ingve Malmsteen and people like that and then you've got the other guys who, who use maybe slightly more unusual sort of intervallic leaps so what I'm going to show you today is some top tips as to maybe how to get fast stuff in your playing the things to avoid you know managing your expectations yeah being being you know one of the pitfalls i'm afraid yeah. and how we can really concentrate on on this quite exciting area of playing but also quite a frustrating area of playing for many let's get to it great so we're going to look at picking picking i think is quite a difficult technique to really master you know you're moving a tiny bit of plastic bone metal whatever your choice of pick may be over a fairly short distance quite quickly and then you've got to change strings if you want to move it to a you know another register of the guitar and you're trying to do that in quite a quick fashion yep okay so let's look at a few of the the do nots and a okay. few of the things that you can do the biggest mistake people make is they take everything that they regularly do and they try and speed it up that's a bit like taking a family saloon and trying to drive the dakar rally with it gotcha yeah. It's a bit of a daft thing to do. <laughs> you know, you're taking something not designed for that and you're going to do that with it. Yep. Don't do it. It's not going to work. <laughs> when you put in fast licks, often you have to integrate fast licks into your playing, just like you integrate any other lick into your playing. So if you were a classical guitar player and you took up playing electric guitar, and you wanted to get something bluesy in your playing, you would have to look at blues licks, the anatomy of blues licks, and how you know you change hand positions and things, maybe thumb over the top to control the vibrato, to get it sounding like a real blues lick. Playing a blues lick like a classical guitar player, is it's not really going to sound that bluesy, I don't think. Yeah. So when we want to play a fast lick, we need something that's set up to deal with the speed that we're going to apply. Okay. That's not to say there aren't complicated things involved in in playing fast, and it's not to say there aren't some things where we can have massive sort of intervals and things like that, or string skipping and all that. But we're starting at the basic end of okay. it. Okay, cool. So the first thing to do, a real simple thing to do, one string. We're going to take the fifth fret of the top E string, and we're just going to try what we call tremolo picking. Now, a lot of people are very good at tremolo picking, even if they're not very good at the other forms of fast playing. And it's moving the pick very fast side to side on one string. Cool. So awesome. let's give it a whirl. Do you want some distortion with that, Gary? Sounds good to me. Do you like some fruity distortion? How's that sounding? Right, now you may know that when you see many players, Gary Moore used to do this a lot, John Sykes, Eddie Van Halen, everybody does it. Yeah. The end to a solo, 
sort of climbing up the scale, pentatonic or otherwise, whilst tremolo picking all on one string. It's yeah. a classic end to a solo, isn't it? Nice. So. So, uh, we're in the key of E minor, yeah? So, yeah, so even if you went up the pentatonic scale, for instance, 12, 15, 17, 19. I bent, I bent to the 24th at the end and the 22nd. So that kind of thing. And it doesn't even have to be overly rhythmic. We're just moving the pick really as fast as we can, you know. Okay, cool. And ending in a, a sort of a bend at the end. Now, a lot of people can do that kind of thing. As you see, it's not that difficult. But let's move it on to stage two. So the next thing that we can do for maybe trying to get the hands to link up together a little more is take a simple lick. Now we are going to make this a little trickier in a minute, folks. It's going to ramp up pretty fast because this is going to be a short and dirty video. Okay. So we're going to pick the frets five, seven, and eight on the top string. And we're going to go up to eight, five, seven, eight, and back again. So already you're seeing that it's the end. <laughs> not quite connecting. Yeah. Part of the trick is to get the two hands to connect. Right. It's like a piano player going from using one hand for melodies to using both so the bass and the top end connect. But it's a vital, a vital thing to do. And often people try and run before they can walk. You know, they'll take something like the pentatonic scale, try and blast through it as fast as they can. Yeah. It will be a car crash. And of course, with that, you're trying to jump from one string to the next and all the rest of it. Let's work with one string. So this you can use a metronome, you can gradually try and increase the pace of the playing yourself, but the idea is that you remain connected. It's down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Well, right. I'm not going to be able to get to that kind of speed, but I'll give it another kind of Give it a shot. while while I have a just, sip of coffee. We just have coffee the... here on tap, actually. <laughs> we have an intravenous caffeine drip. It's the only thing that keeps tuning and turn up going. Some of uh, Gary's playing now to make you feel a bit more confident, everybody out there. Part. Now there's a couple of things that, <laughs> that, that are useful to know because I always feel knowledge is power because obviously getting a technique under your fingers this isn't something you're going to play today unless you've already got the technique already in which case well, why are you watching this and then you're going to shove it in your weekend warrior geek solo at the weekend. Gotcha. Yeah. Not going to happen. happen. You've got to take time with it. Yeah. You know playing playing fast is tricky. I'm 45 now, and I started experiencing some of the faster guitar players probably when I was about 15. And I started seeing people like Ingvar Malmsteen and Eddie Van Halen, uh, Gary Moore, John Sykes, all these guys. And I was like, whoa, that's a whole different world. And to be honest with you, to get the technique going didn't actually take 
that long to get the musicality to get it sounding Melodic. really cool mm. and that takes a lot longer and there's a guy out there on the internet called Rick Graham Rick if you're watching this you're an awesome player I'm telling you now watch Rick's videos technically he's, the, the guy's astounding and he shows some footage in one video of when he was like in his teens and he was getting stuff together and he, and he was saying like those motor skills the skills yeah. with your hands your brain it all linking up together didn't take him long to get together so don't worry too much when you do something often enough the technique will come yeah so that's the first thing is trying to link the hands the next thing is trying to go from string to string so there's a couple of little licks which are worth trying one we're going to do is a little cycling lick. Now, these little simple two-string licks, which were very much sort of licks that I heard Gary Moore do quite a lot, I use these a lot to practice with. You can practice on any pair of strings. doesn't matter if it doesn't sound great. The idea is that you're, you're moving it around, you're moving across the fretboard, you're getting used to picking different thicknesses of strings and picking in different places. Start on the fifth fret of the top string again. And then we're going to go from there to eight, seven, five on the B. And up again. Seven and eight again. So. And then we're back to the beginning here. Right. Now when you get licks like this, they're quite quick to get to get moving. Yep. So they're quite easy to remember and quite quick to, to sort of learn and practice. <laughs> the cool thing with them as well, and we're going to have a real quick thing about exercises in a second as well, because I say... There's going to be a short video. What we can do, which is really useful with this, is we can also practice using that idea several of the shapes which we commonly see in major and minor scales. So that one there, as you see after the top string, we have the fourth finger on the eighth fret, third finger on the seventh, first finger on the fifth. Yep. Now, if we mix it up a bit, so instead of going four, three, one, over the same sort of frets fifth to the eighth we're going to go four two one so we're going to go five on the top then eight six five six eight on the b yep. so we're practicing a different part of the scale yep. shape that we often see <laughs> Spreading the fingers out over a four fret distance, start on the five, and this time we're going to use the little finger, four, second finger, two, and first finger, and we're going to go from the five on the top, on the B, we're going to go nine, seven, five, seven, nine. 
came. So these better, are these the are, second time. Indeed. <laughs> so these are little exercises you can do. No doubt you've probably come across the one finger per fret exercise, which is okay. So you started at the fifth, you go five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Like that, and then back again. Just like we did with the other exercise, make it scale applicable. Yep. So one thing you can do is do combinations. Instead of going one, two, three, four, try one, three, four. Five, seven, and eight frets. Yep. Basically. Or one, two, four, five, six, and eight. Or do one, two, and four fingers, that is, and do five, seven, nine. The reason being these are found commonly in the major and minor scales. That means they're going to be found in all of the major modes. So quick question. Uh, you, you, you often use your second and third finger um, to play mm -hmm. a kind of one, well, five, seven, eight kind of yeah. fret difference, if you get what I mean. Would you practice that as well then? Interesting. I'll tell you what brought that on. Um, you're quite right. So what Gary's talking about is there are some phrases you've probably seen me playing. Yeah. Um, where there'll be, say, a similar sort of sort of distance fret-wise. So we might go from, say, the, the 7 to the 9 to the 10 on the 2 middle string. Instead of using my first, third and fourth, I use my first, second and third. So that's using my first, third and fourth. Here's my second and fourth. There's a reason for it. I must admit, if I'm brutally honest, we all have people that we looked up and look up to and think, wow, he's a guy and he's an awesome guitar player. For many years, Guthrie was absolutely my favourite guitar player, Guthrie Govan. And I saw him doing it quite a lot. And I noticed him doing some quite nasty stretches. And so if I'm going to do nasty stretches, so if I know that I'm playing a lick, which may include some really awkward stretches... Mm. So like saying I'm I'm doing a lick that goes seven, nine, ten, and twelve. So yeah. it's all four fingers. It makes sense if I'm going to do something like that. Yeah, the, the, gotcha. the two and one fret jump at the beginning must be played with those fingers for smoothness' sakes. Yeah, okay. So that's one reason I'd use it. The other reason too, and this brings me on to my next point about fast playing and why it's a challenge and a nightmare. Our first and second fingers have their own tendons. Our third and fourth fingers, as you sure you already know, mm. share one. Yep. So this means that independence is not their trump card. I remember years ago I was starting to have lessons with Big Jim Sullivan and he said, session ace guy in the 60s he was, and I, I bumped into him very much by chance. And he, he took me under his wing and helped me out with some stuff. Very cool guy. Yep. And one thing Big Jim said, he asked me, which was kind of nice, instead of him going, oh, this is your problem. He was like, well, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, what? Where? where's the weakness? He said, what do you think is the weakest finger? Now, I was about 20 years old at the time. And I was learning a lot of Ingve and all that kind of thing. So it's quite sort of clued up on scales and using all, fit, all, my, all four fingers of my fretting hand. 
but I felt it was actually my third finger. My little finger was getting probably a bigger workout than most people's ever do. Yeah. But I always felt that when I took my little finger off, the third finger wanted to go with it. I think, again, probably quite a common ailment of sharing a tendon. So you have to teach your fingers independence. Now, what that often means is that because, as a kid, when we learn guitar, we're all about the two fingers, fingers one and two, aren't we? And the others come later on quite often. Yeah. And so frequently the little finger and the third finger may be seen as sort of the weaker kind of fingers. So sometimes if I really want to do hammer-ons, sort of like a sort of legato kind of thing, which we're going to look at later, um, using fingers one, two and three sometimes feels a little more positive. Yeah, I can use my little finger for legato. It's it's not a problem. But sometimes when you want those real bluesy things, for some reason I just don't get my fingers tied up in such a knot. If I'm losing legato, and I want to do quite a bluesy phrase. Sometimes using fingers one, two, and three seems to work better for me. Okay, cool. Useful tips. Indeed. Um, so other thing with the picking. So let's let's quick fire it onto the picking. There's a really interesting guy out there on the internet called Troy Grady. This guy is anal about picking. I'm not kidding. For this guy, picking is one hell of a science. Yeah. But although you might not be as you know, inclined to intellectualise your playing and, and break it down quite like he does. His analytical approach yields some really interesting factors about it. Now, you can obviously look at the whole series on YouTube if you want to and see all of the stuff that this guy's been putting out there. But there are some really interesting little nuggets. And one of them was that when you have even amounts of notes on strings... Obviously, there's a, a problem sometimes when you come to cross the string with any different pattern. But he was saying, when you have even numbers of notes... So you're essentially going to always end on an upstroke. Yeah. So if you have two notes, down, up. So yeah. you're ending on an upstroke. So you're changing strings on an upstroke. Yeah. If you angle the pick, you know, when you pick, usually you would angle the pick so that if you imagine you've got your string and the point of the pick was directly in line with the string, if you turn that pick, so the sort of leading edge of the pick was pointing sort of roughly towards your left foot, yep. so it would be at about 45 degrees to the string. That usually slices through the string really nicely. But also, if you're finishing on an upstroke so you've got even amounts of notes on the string not only angling it like that but then imagine the point is then towards you of the pick mm. so don't point the point away from you point the point of the pick towards you and angle about 45 degrees so it's 45 degrees across the string point towards you when you do that not only have you got the slicing through the string factor of angling it at 45 degrees so that's like 
that if you can see that folks so I can get right near the camera here so if I've got my pick I'm gonna angle it down a little bit so it's like my thumb pointing at my foot so and then I'm gonna angle the pick upwards so the pick is coming towards me when we do that when we finish on an upstroke the pick flies across the B string if I'm on the top string and totally avoids it totally gets out of its way ready for the downstroke and then the upstroke so if I'm doing even numbers of notes doesn't matter how many say I've got my eight figure um, phrase that I've got there ending on an upstroke by doing what we call this pointing the pick towards us, downward pick slanting, which we Grady calls it, mm. we can easily cross the string. Okay. So if you've got eight, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a phrase with eight notes in it on each string. That allows us to cross the string because we don't get tangled between the strings. The upward motion of the pick, as we leave the string, is allowing us to cross yep. to the next one. <laughs> Play that again. Cool. Slowly. string doesn't yep. matter if you copy my phrase or do a different one or even down the pentatonic Eric Johnson style pointing that pick up towards you see now you don't get tangled in the strings yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. if you go in the other way so say you do three notes of string yeah but now you're going up doing the opposite with the end of your pick and actually keeping the 45 degrees and pointing the pick now away from you. Mm. So your, your, your pick tip is sort of pointing probably towards the volume control on your guitar. That then will fly over the D string, ready to pluck it with an upstroke if you're doing three notes on the A string. find that with some strings you know you're going to be ending on a down because you're going to go down up down upward pick slanting yeah. up down up yeah well you probably downward pick slanting would still work so some strings you're going to be leaving on a down some on an up so it's worth experimenting folks with upward and downward pick slanting okay depending on what you're doing cool so when you want to get a fast lick into your set or into your, your song or whatever, a little bit of organisation is good. You know? Yeah. The, the simplest thing to do is to, to maybe pick a phrase and kind of work that phrase into a solo. Yeah. Even the very complicated things, when you've played them enough, kind of trickle off the guitar relatively easily. 
the things that don't always trickle off the guitar easily are when you try and pull it out of the bag and go, oh, not today, it's not mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking of getting a fast phrase into something, practice that fast phrase. But here's a word of warning, folks. I once wanted to get a really cool Guthrie Govan style phrase into a song. I practiced that phrase. But what I didn't do was practice it over any kind of backing track. So when I went to get it into my solo, I realized that I was either going to have to play it painfully slowly yep. or at warp speed. Yeah. Neither of which were an option because the first sounded absolutely rubbish and the second one wasn't going to happen that day. <laughs> so when you're thinking of getting fast licks into things, put a bit of time in. Sometimes a little fast lick, a little flurry, is as effective as going for broke. Yeah. While it's fun to sound like a fruit machine... At the end of the day, <laughs> you want to sound like a fruit machine or I want to sound like a fruit machine? There you go, I'm a fruit machine. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> oh, fruit machine licks are fabulous. You entertain yourself all day long. You Sounds like a ZX Spectrum game from the seventies or eighties. Musical. No. <laughs> no. So, what I would suggest is sometimes short little bursts are good. Yeah. So if you're soloing away in a melodic way. <laughs> something like that where you've got a fairly straightforward pentatonic thing I used to tap bit of a cheek it's enough of a little flourish to let people know that you're technically able and it sounds kind of cool without kind of being a complete nightmare to learn carpet bombing as they say yeah. carpet bombing yeah What's Always. that? <laughs> like, if, you, if you just throw loads of notes in with willy-nilly without kind willy of worry. Willy-nilly. <laughs> I'm, throwing, I'm throwing in all the phrases here. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly well, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, it's all good fun, I guess. But I, I find that when you're, when you're playing, sometimes it's good to like not give your best shot straight away and shoot your bolt, you know. Hold it back. You know, good good phrases are cool as well, you know. And people can remember melodies and cool phrases in a way that they can't remember a fast lick. They'll remember the fast lick as the wow factor. But if you kind of possess the wow factor a little too much, then people will cease listening. You have to balance it against the other stuff. Nice. Yeah. You nice. know? I mean, listening to what everything that you said, one thing that is forming in my mind is that actually it's a lot easier to do fast licks on one string than it is to cross the strings. Yeah. And you have to be aware of when you're crossing the strings. So in a way, your flurry could be a kind of tremolo type thing on one string. Yeah. And then the rest of the... If, if you're just new to this, in other words, and you want to just throw it in there, 
then you could be soloing melodically and then do a quick tremolo on the one string yeah, and then carry and that, on. Yeah. That could be as as effective and, and give you a little fast fix. Yeah. You know, I think everyone wants to get a degree of technique, tends to go a little bit balmy, you know, and kind of sort of throw it out there like it's going out of fashion, you know. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the other thing too is, you know, I, I grew up listening to, to guys who picked a lot of notes. So I got reasonably good at sort of picking stuff. Yeah. But while these days my reason for picking or not picking a line is not usually down to being a technical decision, it's down to a sonic decision. You know, do I want to pick something so that I've got that dip, dip of the picking? Because I kind of like that. You know when you get a, a line and you've, you've got that sort of power behind it? <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. I kind of yeah. like that kind of yeah. machine gun effect. But at the same time, you could do a very similar lick with legato. It's a very different attack, isn't it? It's a very different attack, and that's why these days I choose which one I'm going to use for a particular kind of sound or effect. But you may find in the early days, actually hammering on and pulling off or playing like a legato style phrase like that where there's a lot less picking involved might actually give you a little more range yeah because you're not having to deal with two problems which is playing a little bit quicker and getting the plectrum involved so if it's a quick fire sort of way of getting something into a solo a little faster lick and it's a nightmare to pick but you can play it in a legato way well maybe play it in a legato way yeah. Until your technique's at a place where you can can do it. I know Guffrey Govan once said, you know, when you're ready to play things at a certain pace, you will. Yeah. And there is an element of truth in that, without a doubt. Thanks very much. No worries. That's my quick fire, quick fire tips, folks. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas, and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals, and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Yeah.